verse 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, A wise son maketh a glad, maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his master, or his mother, excuse me. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. He becometh uh, poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Blessing are upon the head of the just, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. And I'll stop reading there. Father, we come before you right now, and we ask your blessing, God, to rest upon the reading of your holy word. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Okay, so at this point we are beginning the actual section that is dealing with Proverbs. Proverbs. What's a Proverbs? A proverb is a short, pithy statement that uh, is based on a lot of experience, long experience, okay? And this, when you come to chapter 10 through 31, there's various subjects, various topics that will be covered. You really can't organize them. Uh, as you go through these chapters, you can't say, okay, this is, these Proverbs are being organized a certain way to, see, to teach a certain subject because there's just constant movement uh, in what is being said in these Proverbs on different subjects that pertain to life, okay? Chapter 1 through 9 was the discourses of a father along with lady wisdom to encourage people to walk in the path, amen, the right path that leads to the Lord. Then you have lady folly, Lady Fooley. <laughs> Lady Fooley, on the other hand, is seeking to allure people away from God and get them involved in idolatry, which means to apostatize away from the Lord. Now, you may not know this, but the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and chapter 2 has a lot about, really, when you talk about Jesus, the Christology of Jesus, and the admonition to remain faithful to the Lord, a lot of what is said in the book of Hebrews is linked to the book of Proverbs. Okay? It is encouraging to you to walk that straight and narrow path with the Lord to the very end, to finish the race, not just start the race. So when we come to chapter 10 then, obviously that's after chapter 8 and 9, where the Bible talked about Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Amen. Lady Wisdom is to serve the Lord and walk with God. Lady Folly is to backslide away from God and to make the priorities of this world uh, your priorities. Okay. So chapter 10 through 31 then, we have to look at these Proverbs. Number one, practically, that means to have social skill how to live life. It's to do the right thing at the right time. Okay? Doing the right thing at the right time and having the right emotion at the time you go through it. Okay? That's the practical application, social skills. The second one is righteousness. It teach you how to live right before the, before the Lord. The third one is to fear God, which means to live for the Lord, which is the highest level of interpretation of the Proverbs. So chapter 10 through 31 is basically, we've already got the foundation of chapter 1 through 9 is how to interpret them. Okay, chapter 10, verse 1. The title of the message today is Observation. Observation. The Proverbs of Solomon. So now we come to the section that deals with Proverbs specifically. 
A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Okay, so these first, this first one deals with the family. Now, when you study the Proverbs, you have to understand, first of all, who's the ultimate father? It's God, right? Okay. Secondarily, you have a natural father. Uh, you, you could maybe, in a sense, look at this from a pastoral perspective as well, that you have a spiritual father as your pastor. So, but anyway, so when it says here, it talks about the father and it talks about the mother. First of all, it's talking about God and then it's talking about your natural father. Okay? Spiritually speaking, when it talks about the mother, it's speaking about the church, which is the mother of us all. And then it's speaking of your natural mother. So when you go through and you teach it, you have to understand that there's the deeper meanings here. So we see something here. We see a wise son, and then we see a foolish son. We see um, the wise son makes glad the father, and we see the foolish son is a heaviness to the mother. Amen? So in the ultimate, let me start with the ultimate then theology. It's not just about a son making the daddy happy, okay? Or a son making the mother happy, naturally. It is about this. It is about a mother and a father who have a son or a daughter who are faithfully worshiping the Lord. In the Old Testament, His name's Yahweh. New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ. So a wise son then that makes glad the Father is the son that is a true worshiper of Jesus Christ. A foolish son then is on that foolish path or that path that leads to Lady Folly. And that path then that causes foolishness is a son who has departed from the Lord. And in that departure from God, they're on the path of foolishness. So that's the highest level of understanding. Now, obviously, if you are a man and woman of God and your children are not living for the Lord, then that creates a lot of pain. It doesn't make the father happy or glad. And it's a heaviness to the mother. Now, Sometimes I think when we go through things individually, we think we're the only ones on the planet, you know, that have ever gone through anything like this, you know. But in reading and preparing for this message today, I came across a story. A minister was writing a commentary on the book of Proverbs, and he said he had a good friend, and this friend was in the work of the Lord. He was serving God. I take that to be a minister. Uh, this man and his wife raised a son in the kingdom of God, raised him in the church. And then for whatever reason, when they got a little bit older, this son rebelled. And this son started drinking and running, you know, with the wrong crowd, uh, partying. Eventually, they thought he was going to end up in jail. Now, not so much to focus on what the son did, but the emotion of the parents. The father got out of the ministry for a year. 
And the mother went into a great depression. And so uh, these are the results sometimes when children do not live for the Lord. The kind of pain and suffering that is experienced by the parents who are faithful to God is beyond comprehension. The pain that that parent goes through. The depression that they can fall into as a result of that. And so uh, in this story, this minister relayed about his friend that the mother fell into depression. The father got out of the ministry, took a job working, driving a truck. And uh, this minister said that their whole house went into total chaos. Total chaos. And he said the devil had a heyday with him. Until the Lord spoke to the mother in her depression and asked the mother, says, why are you depressed? He said, I, I love you. I'm still with you. Questioned her, why are you, why are you in this depression? What have I ever done to you for you to have this kind of response to me? For you to be depressed like you are. He said, I love you and I'm with you. So why are you depressed? And the minister said that when that mother heard that from God, that she snapped out of that depression. And where before she was walking around depressed, you know, in the house, now when she washed the dishes, she sang praises to God. And she worshiped God. And what happened was the effect that that had on the son. See, he was now on the outside looking in. Because his, his ability to influence his house in a bad way was gone. Because that woman overcame that depression and kept singing and praising and worshiping God. So he was on the outside looking in. And you know what eventually happened? When he'd walk through the door of that house, he wouldn't see that house in turmoil and chaos and the devil having a heyday. He would always hear his mother singing praises to God. And eventually, as a result of that, this minister said that that son, after a period of time, repented of his rebellion, got back in the church, and ended up going for training for ministry and now is used in the ministry in the church. So I tell you that I know some of you are going through, through, through some things, you know. I go through things, but it's the way you handle it. <coughs> are we trusting God or not? We can talk about how we trust God, <coughs> but are we really trusting Him? You know, Victoria's fixing to move to Kentucky. And I tell you that because I want you to know. But she's not running from God. She's not running from the church or anything like that. She's going to go up there. We're going to try to help her find an apostolic church. She wants to continue to live the way she lives, dress the way she dresses, and so on and so forth. I pray that's a reality. Okay? But 
so you you can understand that as a father, when I got that news, because we've had some previous situations, you know, uh, I had to make a decision the moment she told me that. And that's when we got back from our trip. And the moment, I'm, not ta- I'm talking about the next day, man, after we got back from our retreat, I had to make a decision, okay? And at that point, I said, this is not on me. This is not my problem. I'm not going to let it eat my lunch. And, and I talked to my wife. I said, we're not going to let this get a hold of us like we did in the past. We're just going to leave it in the hands of God and we're going to trust God with it, you know. Okay? Now, I'll be on, at this point, at that point, when she told me, I just got up and I walked out of the room. I wasn't going to get in an argument with her. Wasn't going to fuss with her. Just got up and went out of the room. And it's been almost a month and we finally had the long talk last night. Okay? So sometimes you got to wait for the right time. And now I'll talk about Proverbs tonight. When is it, when are the Proverbs true? The Proverbs are only true when they're applied at the right time. And I'll explain that in a moment. You have to wait for timing because you have the book of wisdom here that tells you how to handle situations. But if you don't wait for the right timing, then the truth that's in the Proverbs is not going to be true to you at that moment. So I had to wait for the right time and God set it all up. And then we had the long daddy, you know, daddy-daughter talk and Christina was there last night. She's not here yet, but they'll be here in a minute. Okay? But we just determined to put it in the hands of God. Now, if there were some, if a serious line was crossed, and I'm not going to get into that, I was ready to take action. Okay? I'm not going to play games. You know, you're not going to play games with God or the Word of God. I was ready to take some action. But sitting down and talking with her about what is the plan? What are you going to do? Are you going to live for God or not going to live for God? What's the plan? Well, Daddy, I'm, yeah, I'm going to live for God. And, uh, how about your dressing around? Same thing, you know, so on and so forth. Going to find a church there, so on and so forth. All right. Well, I pray that becomes a reality. But whether or not it does or it doesn't, I am not going to become an emotional basket case over this. Okay? Because at, at this, at some point, you know, you gotta learn to, uh, let go. <laughs> You do. You got to learn to let go, and you got to learn to give it to God, instead of trying to be God all the time. Now, so I, I'm, I'm I'm telling you that tonight, okay? So you'll know I'm not just up here spouting off. So I've been preaching, you know, and it's not self-righteousness, but I refuse to let it get a hold of me, and and continue to serve God the same way I've always served Him, and you know, just 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 made up my mind. You know, God, you're in charge. Uh, If I start trying to play God, you know, I don't know what ultimately is going to happen there. She may go and come back. She may go there and influence a lot of people. Okay? So, I'm not going to play games. Because I talked to you about the pockets of your life. You're going to go through situations in your life that are just pockets. God has already got it figured out. And if you and I put our hands on everything and try to control everything, then we're taking it down the hands of God 
and God's got a master plan, but we think we know better. And when you do that, you cross the line and you try to become God and you'll have an emotional breakdown. Okay? Can't let it happen to you. Just have to say, okay, God, you're bigger than I am. And just, just let go and let God. And at the right time, you know, you give, you give wisdom. At the right time, you give guidance. At the right time, you give instruction. At the right time, you know, you get involved. But until then, you just leave it in the hands of God. Okay? All right. So, you know, a little bit of emotion. I mean, I love my daughter, you know. But I'm not going to become a basket case. Because that's what the enemy wants, you, wants to happen to you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to turn your house into nothing but a hellhole. With chaos and confusion and depression and discouragement. And, it, and it's on the throne and God's not on the throne. I'm not going to let it happen. And I, I'm just telling you, man. And so, you know, some of the things that we've gone through in the past have prepared me to handle this one better than I did before by way of experience and observation. And so that's what I'm going to be preaching on tonight. Experience. When, when, when do the Proverbs become true? Always? Are they always true? Mm -mm. They are true when they're applied at the right time. Okay? Let me show you what I'm talking about. Go to Proverbs 26. <clears throat> So, I mean, praise the Lord. I mean, don't, y'all don't say anything because she's not here yet. So, y'all, y'all act like you don't know anything. And, and I, I'll tell her that I, I told y'all. Okay. So, uh, and then y'all, praise the Lord. So, about a week, a little over a week, she'll be, just pray for her to find the right church. That's what you can do. All right. Amen. Don't text her. Say, please don't leave. Don't play God. Amen. Okay, Proverbs 26. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Answer. Now, then it says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So which one is it? Do I answer the fool or do I not answer the fool? Well, one hand God says, don't answer the fool. And the other hand God says, answer the fool. So which one is it, God? Do you want me to answer him or her or not? That's why I say, both of those proverbs are true, but only at the right time. There's a time when you don't answer a fool, you resist, you turn away, you get away from them. And then God said, there, but there is a time that you answer the fool. What's important is, is to understand that in a general sense, the Proverbs, not all the Proverbs are true in a general sense, but they are true at an applied time. You got it. So the key is, when is the time, what's the right time to operate in a particular proverb? Time to answer the fool sometime, I better know what time that is. If I'm not to answer the fool at certain times, I better know what that time is. Praise the Lord. They're both true, but 
Sometimes they're not. Depending on the time. It's by observation. Okay? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> okay, let me just get right into that and then I'll break down chapter 10. I was going to teach 10 and then teach this to you, but I'm going to go by the Holy Ghost, okay? So, then what do you do? How do you know when to apply a particular proverb? And how to apply it? Number one, it's by experience and observation. Say with me, experience and observation. The experiences that you and I have in life, okay? So the decisions that I'm making right now, Christina, what we're going through right now, some experiences that I've had in the past has helped me, me to be wise in this moment, okay? Now, in the past, when I found out news like that, man, I might throw in a fit and say, you can just go on, Okay? But this time I sat down and I said, what makes you want to go there? Everybody has a reason for leaving and going somewhere else. What make, and so we, that's that, that one little statement opened the door for me to be able to guide the situation. Ooh, I say praise the Lord. Instead of breaking out into World War Three, man. Shoes flying, windows breaking. Okay? So what I'm saying is, my observation of things in the past and my experience in the past has helped me to be wiser this go around. And not only that, but it prepared her to be wiser too because this time she listened to me. Okay, so we've all grown in wisdom. <clears throat> Amen? So observation and experience. So here we go. You have experiences in life. And you then at, when you're going through things, you know, you're experiencing things in life. Some people just experience things. And they never learn from them. Okay? They don't, they don't take time to observe in their experiences and let their experiences teach them what they need to be taught. Therefore, as a result of that, they're going to keep making the same mistakes. And instead of walking in wisdom, which is to do the right thing at the right time, they're going to do the wrong thing at the wrong time. And it will be repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated. See? Amen. There's some people who have a cycle of running. Every time something doesn't go their way, they just run. Okay? So, but, and they never learn. Next time something comes up and makes them want to run, they should think about, well, you know, I, this is my history. I've done this all my life. I'm not doing it now. Because I've learned from experience and observation that that's not the best approach. Okay, so anyway. So when you're going through experiences, observe, learn from those experiences so that you will know how to apply the proverb. Okay? At the right time. That's the key. The proverbs are true, but they're true at the right time. 
Amen? Say praise the Lord. Now, y'all remember the ant. God talked about the ant. Okay, let's go over there to Proverbs 6. Now, I've already told you, Proverbs 1 through 9 is really laying the groundwork for <coughs> the other. <coughs> Jeremiah, are you here? I thought I saw him. Hey, praise the Lord. Look who's here, y'all. You know, you're, somebody would say, your ears burning? Yeah. Your ears burning? Amen. God's good. Okay, Proverbs 6. Let's look here. Okay. Proverbs 6 and verse 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard, when thou art, uh, thou arise out of thy sleep? Now what is he saying? Observation. <clears throat> the Proverbs are all about observing life. So he says, look at the ant, observe the ant, what the ant does. It doesn't have to have somebody breathing down its neck for it to produce. It's diligent, even when somebody's not telling it what to do. And as a result of that, the provision is there. But the point is, you have observation that is being uh, spoken of there. Say, observation. Now, experience is not the best teacher, but it is a teacher as long as you're, you observe. Amen. When you're going through it. Go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and hell to all their flesh. So now we have not just experience, but we have the experience of others. They've gone through some things. And so this father's teaching the son not just the word of God, but this father's teaching the son some experiences he's gone through. Son, follow a certain path. Do it, do it this way, okay? Uh, choose the right choices. So then, the way that you and I know how to apply a certain proverb is we observe through our own experiences in life. Number two, somebody else teaches us, okay? And they teach from their experience. <clears throat> now, another different commentator in the book of Proverbs said it this way, okay? Um, he said that basically that a pastor is probably the sage of the age, of the present age. And the reason is because the pastor has experienced so many different things with so many different people that he doesn't just bring the Word of God or the Holy Ghost into the situation. 
he brings in a lot of experiences, both good and bad, that he's seen in the lives of other people. So when he sits down with somebody because he's learned by experience through observation, not his own life only, but other people's lives as well, he'll say, now don't do this because this will be the outcome. And it's not necessarily that the man is a prophet. But he knows that if you take this path, he's seen it over and over and over, this is what's going to happen to you. And, okay, so if you'll listen to a pastor who has not only knowledge of the Word of God, but a pastor who has seen many people go through many experiences, then when you sit down and talk to them, they will be able to help you so that you don't have to go through it yourself all the time. Amen. Either he's gone through it already, or he knows somebody else that already has gone through it, and he can say, okay, you don't have to experience everything and observe everything in life. Somebody's already done that for you. So let me tell you what's going to be the outcome if you do this, both good and bad. Say praise the Lord. Okay. So personal experiences, the experiences of others. Go to Proverbs chapter 12. Verse 1. Whoso loveth instruction... Now that word destruction, we've already talked to you about it before. You need your Bibles. This is a, this is a class, okay? So you need it. It's a workbook. If you love instruction, that means discipline. Wow. Who, how many people here love discipline? You should. According to the Word of God, you should love correction. You should love discipline in your life. Which means you should learn from your mistakes. Your mistakes are teachers. And when you go through and you make bad decisions and bad choices and all these things, well, guess what? They bring consequence. And those consequences then can teach you, don't do this again. Don't have that emotion again. Don't respond that way. Don't say it that way next time. Don't do it that way next time. Because... You went through some discipline, some correction in your life, and man, it was painful. And you don't want to have that pain anymore, so you're going to stay away from the same mistake again. But only people who love discipline, only people who love correction in their life understand that. Okay? But the Bible goes on to say, Whoso loveth instruction, loveth what? Knowledge. But he that hateth reproof, Brutish. She's like an animal. Okay? Alright, so correction, I'm to love correction. I'm to love the discipline in my life because the things, the consequences I, I go through, the mistakes that I make, the consequences as a result of that, they are teaching me by, by those things how to apply Proverbs. Is everybody with me? So, number one, your personal experience by observation, other people's experience and observation, mistakes that you make and mistakes that I make will give us wisdom, show us how to apply the Proverbs at the right time. Do the right thing at the right time. Okay? You keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. That's what an old, uh, when I was working 
in car sales, and I didn't do a lot of it, but got a little bit of car sales in my history. And the manager that I was un under was not just a, a manager, he was a teacher. Okay? And uh, I thank God that I had an opportunity, uh, the first time I ever took a job in car sales, to have that kind of man uh, to be my general manager. Because when we would get together and we would have sales meeting, he would just say, okay, we want to sell 15 cars today. Go get it. He, he would teach you life principles. And some of the things he said are biblical. And I still remember today. He says, you keep doing what you're doing and you're going to keep getting what you're getting. I never forgot that. You know? So if you're wondering why you can't you know, if you're having a bad month and then another bad month and another bad month and another bad month, something ought to tell you that experience by way of observation should tell you that you're not doing something right. Don't blame it on slow time. I mean, I understand slow times, but repeated things like that, you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. He was fantastic when it came to giving those types of things. And so he was a teacher and not everybody is. Not every general manager is a teacher. But he was one of those guys that was a teacher. Okay? So I thank God for it. So, <clears throat> we have to learn from our mistakes. And all of us make mistakes. I make mistakes too. I've made mistakes in the past. I'm sure I'm going to make a few more. Maybe one or two. Okay? I pray not. But I probably will, you know, make a few more mistakes. But when I make them, I want to learn from them. I want to love correction. Is there not everybody loves correction, you know? In fact, as a pastor, if I correct somebody in the church, you'd be surprised how many people in the church rally around that person. You say, I can't believe that you would hear him do that to you. Well, I'm just guessing, you know, but they're probably not in a very good place in their life right now. Because they don't love correction. So if you love correction, then you're not going to be this person that keeps doing what you're doing to get keep on getting what you're getting if it's bad. Now, if it's good, if it's working for you, praise the Lord. Don't change it, man. If it's not working for you, you need to make some changes. You keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. And that applies to everything in life. Okay? You say, well, I don't have any friends. Nobody likes me. Have you ever looked at yourself? Right? No, you want to look at everybody else. What about looking at yourself? That's really what the problem is. Amen? Such Christina's brother told her when she was in the church, he, he told her right off. He told her the truth. What did he tell you, Sister Christina? Amen. She was, she was, she got to church when she's like 13. And so she was having problems in that small church, you know, making friends. And her brother told her, said, if you want friends, you're going to have to show yourself friendly. See? And then the 83-year-olds became her friend. It 
Okay? So love correction. If you don't love correction, you got hard road waiting for you. Very hard. Because you're gonna have to you're gonna have to experience things over and over and over and over again. And then finally at some point you say, Man. God said through the prophet Isaiah, man, you're all beat up from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, man. Why? Well, if, if Israel had listened with, you know, the first SWAT. No, but they just so hard-headed, they're like Proverbs says here, they're brutish. They're animal-like. Just as hard-headed as an old mule. So God had to just boom, hit them, and boom, hit them, and kept on hitting them, man, until from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, nothing but bruises, man. He said, I don't believe that God would do that. You don't know God. Amen? So don't act like Israel, hard-headed and animal-like. Praise the Lord. Why are y'all so quiet in here? Okay, <clears throat> then you have 20, uh, Proverbs 20 and verse 12. Is everybody with me? Okay. Observation, experience and observation, your life, others teaching you, learn from mistakes, and then the Bible says divine revelation. Proverbs 20. Verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord had made even both of them. Now the most important thing in what I've said up to this point is that you and I learn to yield to God. Yield to God. Don't be stubborn and rebellious. Yield to God. Because He made your eye, right? See with. And the ear to hear with. He gave you a brain to think. Gave you a heart. So divine revelation. God can teach you. He will teach you. How did He teach you? By allowing you to observe. Brother and sister, it is a gift from God for anybody to be able, as they're going through a circumstance, a gift from God to be able to take out of that circumstance the right observation. Okay? You say, God, I'm in something right now, but I don't want to just go through the circumstance or the experience. I want You to let me see what I need to see and hear what I need to hear so that I won't keep doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. I'll do the right thing at the right time. Amen. And that is, that makes the proverb true at that moment in my life. And not only that, Lord, not only are you allowing me to see or hear what I need to see as I'm going through this, but Lord, Amen. Help me with my emotion. Listen, I'm 55 years old. Okay? And I'm telling you, man, sometimes my emotion gets the best of me. 
And until you sit down, okay, and spend time with a situation, your emotion can drive. It, it, it is, I'm telling you, man, it can really mess you up. You, you're thinking, you're thinking people don't love you, all that, all that stupid stuff that goes on in your mind. Just emotion getting the best of you. Look at your neighbor and say, let, you know, just tell your neighbor, get a hold of their emotion. Get a hold of your emotion. Because if we're led by emotion, I'm telling you, I can, sometimes I'm led by the emotion. Man, I'm a, I'm a very passionate individual. You don't know that by now, man. My passion, man, it can be good, it can be bad. Praise the Lord. I mean, fire can be good and it can also be destructive. Fire is nice, it cooks nice meals, but it'll burn a force down. You know? So I got a lot of fire in me, and I know I do. And it can be used for good, but it'll burn, a house, burn things down like Red Hot Timmy, man. I got to watch him sometimes. He, he gets so red hot, he'll burn the whole church down. You know, right, Red Hot? Yeah. Amen. Like a compound Red Hot, man. So you know what I'm saying. Emotion is good. It came from God. God gave it to you. But it can get the best of you. So ask God. Say, God, I'm in this situation. Let me see what I need to see. Let me hear what I need to hear. And as I'm going through this, Lord, let me have the right emotion, Father, because that's wisdom. Man, you, you might have the right answer, the right time, but your emotion's not right. Woo! So you need to pray and understand by divine revelation, God is going to help you see and God's going to help you hear. <clears throat> so again, a proverb is true, but it's only true at the right time. Everybody awake? Okay, praise the Lord. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. A lot, a lot, a lot. So let's go back to Proverbs then. 26, let's talk about the fool then. So one minute, it's, it's the right thing to do to speak to the fool. The other minute, it's the wrong thing to do to speak to the fool. So which one's true? Observation and experience. Okay? Say with me, observation and experience. So let's look at the verses again and we'll talk about it. We talked to you about body language last Wednesday, right? Body language is very important when you're dealing with people. Okay? That's why, you know, a pastor oftentimes learns how to be a good advisor because he has the ability to read people. He has the ability to, by observation and experience, okay, to know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling some vibes off of you. Okay. You with me? Okay. So let's look at it. Verse four: Answer not a fool according to his folly. Lest thou also be like unto him. Answer for full according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. All right. The key then 
is observation. Reading people. I told you last, last Wednesday I don't want to take a course in reading people because I'm gonna, I don't want to add to myself more problems because I get to look at y'all all the time. Okay. Amen. And if I know too much about body language, I'll probably lose my mind because y'all are speaking very loud, every one of you, every service. Okay. You understand? All right. So both of those proverbs can't be true at the same time. You're dealing with a situation. Somebody, uh, the Bible talks about, is, is walking according to foolishness or folly or fooly. Okay? And praise the Lord. What does that mean? That, well, a fool thinks they already know. They already know. They're not looking for anybody to tell them. I already know what's best. And I'm not looking for any advice, any counsel. I know what's best. And then the Bible says, a fool say, says no to God. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. They say, no God. So the fool then doesn't think they need anything. The fool, if he is taught, doesn't receive that teaching. Okay. That's the definition of a fool. Now, okay. But the Bible talks about, in some cases, that you are to answer a fool. Because when you answer for a fool according to his folly, uh, let's see, yeah. Okay, with me here? Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. See, sometimes you need to answer a fool because if you don't answer a fool, he goes away thinking he's right. Okay? There's some people though, some uh, fools, says don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be likened to him. Okay, so here's the point is that the Proverbs are true at a specific time. So when I come across a foolish person, then how do I know what time it is? How do I know which one to apply? Because both of them can't be right for that specific moment. Right? Okay. It's all about body language. We already talked to you about the body language, right, of the gangster. Y'all remember that? Let's go over there. I'll show it to you. In case y'all forgot it. And, and, anybody ever used to use a lot of body language when you were in the world? Yeah? Okay. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's look at it. This is Proverbs 6 again. <clears throat> Verse 12, A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. That means perverse speech. He winketh with his eyes. Now, I don't have time tonight. You see somebody winking with their eyes, there's at least four or five different meanings to that. And, and I know you want me to tell you what they are, but I'm not going to do that tonight because I don't remember all of them. Okay? But basically what he's saying is that they're, they're sending signals with their body is what he's saying here. Winking with the eyes like he's giving a signal to do a certain thing or whatever. 
Sometimes the winking of an eye is to conceal something, is to hide something. Okay. So anyway, the whole point is this body language. A naughty person, a wicked man, walking with a floor man, he winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his finger, and that doesn't mean like the preacher. He just said, hey, Bugsy, you go get them. Take them out, you know. Y'all know who Bugsy is? Bugsy Malone? Teaches with his finger. Everybody understand this sign language? Okay, now you know. Right? Okay? Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord, therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. Okay? So body language then. When you're dealing with people, <clears throat> there's a time that you're going to say, okay, I, get, I, get, I, I can look at where you are. Okay? I can tell by your body language whether I should go to you and get involved with your problem or not. Or, or should I, as one of the Proverbs says, don't answer. That means stay away from it. Okay? Right? Yeah. Some people, they will uh, have a certain body language and you know you've got a door. Okay? You can speak, you work. Uh, and you need to correct the situation lest they think they're right. Okay? But a lot of it has to do with reading people, knowing where they are. Okay? Praise the Lord. So, you know, you got frowns on the face. You got hate looks, haters in the house. And, you know, and like I told you, my favorite one is when you put your arm on the back of the pew and you're looking down and into, into the eternal depths of hell or something. Because you don't want, I can't stand him right now. I don't want to, I don't want to listen to anything he's got. I don't like what you're saying, Pastor. And if I like what you're saying, I just don't like you. So I'm not even going to look at you. You make me sick. No, not the little precious saints of Bible Center Fellowship. You make me mad. Oh yeah, you don't even have to say it. I mean, it's on your face, right? And it, you know, you might not be mad at me. You might have had a fight with your husband on, before church. And the whole time you're sitting there, I uh, hate that man. I uh, hate that woman. You know? And I, so I get to look at that, not just in the morning service on a Sunday, but the Sunday night service too, because you're still not over the fight you had with your spouse. You know? Praise the Lord. So, you, you know, there's the look of indifference. There's the look of the smirk. The smirk is probably the best one of them all. The smirk. Smirk. Okay. 
So reading people, man, it's really important because that's, that's when you're going to know by observation and experience when to apply a certain proverb because they all can't be applied to the same situation. Sometimes you're going to walk away from somebody because you know by their body language they don't want anything to do with anybody. Okay? I just want to be to myself in my own little world and you know, I don't want anybody in my little world, so don't even come around me because if you do, I'm going to cut your hand off. And I've got a knife in my pocket I'm right now. Okay? And we don't have to see the knife. We see the expression. Don't mess with me. Are you dead? Y'all with me here? Okay. So you need to learn to read body language, right? And, and so don't step into situations. Amen? You have to know the right timing. For example, one place we'll get into it, Lord willing, the Bible talks about don't greet somebody early in the morning lest it becomes a curse to you. That means, okay, you're all, you know, you're an early morning person. But not everybody's an early morning person. There's some night people. And I preach to a lot of night people. <laughs> you like the nightlife, man. And, okay? Early morning people, though, they see the nightlife people. And the nightlife people, man, they're just struggling to get to work. They're just, they don't want to be there. They're upset that they've got to be there. And then here's this old happy, you know, person. Good morning, God bless you. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad, be glad in it. And you go, shut up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, okay, because everything that was said was true. This is the day that the Lord has made. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Praise the Lord, brother and sister. Okay, so everything that was said was true, right? But it was applied at the wrong time. Amen. Okay, you got somebody, they're going through something, right? And you go up there, oh, hey, it's going to be all right, brother and sister. Everything, God's good. Things are great in the kingdom, you know. And you just want to go, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, everything's right what you're saying, man. But don't say it to that person because, okay, it's true. God is good. Everything is great in the kingdom, but man, not everything is great in their life at that moment. So you just, okay, you have to know the timing. When to apply truth. Uh, there's some people, man, you know, I know when you're going through something, and, and I know when to get close, and I know when to stay away. Okay? Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Lest I say something, even though it might be true, there wouldn't be the right wisdom for the time. Okay? So you got to know timing. It's not always the truth that you want to give to people, but you have to do it at the right timing. 
That's why I say sometimes you have to wait for weeks, maybe in a month, maybe longer for that time to come. And then you have Proverbs that are true, but they're true because you apply them at that moment. And it is not always easy, brothers and sisters, to discern the time. Ecclesiastes, another book of wisdom, teaches you that. There's different seasons okay, in life. So you don't always know the, the right time. You just have to, again, observation and experience. Other people teaching you. And then the revelation that comes from God. And I think you just have to wait for the time. You watch God prepare everything. And then the, the door will open. You don't, you know, you don't have to push it, force it open. The door will open, and when it does, it just doesn't like natural. You just step into it. Okay? And what you have to say is true, and what the person you're talking to, they're ready to receive it. Say amen. But you go in and you got truth, they're not ready to receive it, then it's not true for that moment. Say amen. All right, everybody, everybody with me? Okay. So I hope that's been a blessing to you. So are all the Proverbs true? Not all the time. That's right. Next question, very quickly. As I read to you Proverbs chapter 10, let's go there. Are all the promises, are all the Proverbs promises? No, that's the next thing that will trip you up. Is that you think that everything in the Proverbs is an absolute truth. Okay? I mean, the absolute promise. It is true, absolutely, but again, it has to be applied. But it's an, if you read these as a promise, an absolute promise, man, you can get discouraged. Give me an example. Let's look at Proverbs 10.1. The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son maketh glad a father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Now, most of the time, that's true. Right? You got a son or a child that's not living the way they're supposed to, man. It's going to cause the daddy to be unhappy and the mother to be, as the Bible said here, heavy, depressed. That is most of the time true. If a person's not living for the Lord, you raised them up, you brought them up in the church, did everything you possibly could to see them that they would be successful, not only in life, but successful in their walk with God. And they're not doing well right now. Well, most godly parents will respond the way that verse says, which means they won't be glad and, they, and the mother will be heavy. But let's say you've got a parent that doesn't care anything about God. So, all of a sudden, the child comes in the church. Young person comes in the church. They're old enough to come to the church. They get in the church, get baptized in His name, get filled with the Holy Ghost. They start living for God. And instead of the father being glad and the mother being glad, they are unhappy with the fact that their kid is in that church. So, what I'm trying to tell you is that what is said right here, these are general directions, a general statement that if they're followed, most of the time they'll be correct. 
But you're going to find exceptions to these Proverbs. That's why they cannot be a guarantee. Because there are exceptions. When a mother and a father will not be like this. In fact, some of them would be more happy if you were out of the church tonight. They'd throw a party. They found you, found out you left Bible Center Fellowship. They'd, they'd make a cake. Homemade. They wouldn't do it out of a box. They'd make homemade cake, ice cream, everything. Oh, y'all come over, man. We're so glad you're on the right track now. You got out of that church, you know. No, I'm telling you the truth. Say praise the Lord. One proverb says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they shall not depart from it. Well, you take that as a promise. When you say, God, you, you promised me that if I raised my church, my children in the kingdom of God in the church, that they wouldn't depart it. But mine did. Because you failed to understand that that's not a promise. That's a general statement of truth by observation over a period of time. Because a proverb is a short statement backed up by experience. Okay? You say, so here's the, where's the devil? Devil comes to you and says, okay, see? You got that word? You did, you raised them right? And they're not living for God. So the devil comes to you, what he's going to do? He's going to make you doubt God. He's going to say, God's not with you. God don't care. God don't keep his word. God doesn't fulfill his promise. God lets you down. And then all of a sudden you have a crisis in faith. Yeah. But you thought you had the word of God. Right? Okay. You get into finances very quickly. Verses 2 through 5. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. Amen? You see that? Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. Now, there are some people that give wealth and they get it by way of corruption and theft. But generally speaking, Treasures of wickedness profit nothing but righteous deliver from death. For example, look at Judas Iscariot. He betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver to do what? To buy a field. And then he took the money, 30 pieces of silver that he was going, that he betrayed the Lord with to buy a field with. And he took it and he never did even use it for the intended purpose of buying the field. He cast it at the priest's feet. They took it and they bought a field with the money. He never did. He betrayed the Lord for profit. And the Bible tells us right here that the treasures of wickedness profit nothing. It did not for him. Now, Judas Iscariot, brothers and sisters, pilfered the whole time that he walked with the Lord. The contributions that came in to the disciples and to Jesus when they walked the earth. The Bible tells us John got insight. John got a revelation when he wrote his epistle, gospel. He said, Judas is a thief. Because he didn't care for what was in the bag. See, he took it out. Now, you have time to study that, the bag. Study the bag that Judas Iscariot was. He was placed as the secretary treasurer of the church. And the bag that he carried was a bag that was used for windpipes, instruments that would be used to worship God. 
And so in, in place of the worship of God, he was stealing money out of the bag. And John said he was a thief. God showed it to him. That means that in the past, that Judas Iscariot had already got that in his spirit about buying lands and property by stealing the money. But when he betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver, he never profited from that ever again. You don't, but listen, betraying Jesus Christ for profit will get you in the same place that Judas Iscariot is today. You never put money over Jesus. Never put money over God. Because if you do, that's idolatry. That's exactly what Judas Iscariot did. In the place of his worship, he was stealing the money. Hey, I got, I got my eyes on that land. I got my eyes on that land, you know. Treasures of the wicked profit nothing. But righteousness delivers from dead, death. The opposite of Judas Iscariot would be Peter. Peter was un Peter denied the Lord, man. He denied the Lord. But what did he do? The Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. He repented. Judas Iscariot didn't repent. Peter did. And so as a result of that, he's the opposite of Judas Iscariot. But righteousness delivers from death, man. Peter had a death sentence on him because he denied the Lord. But his righteousness, when he repented, it changed it from being a death sentence. His righteousness changed it. Your righteousness and my righteousness and my repentance can lift the death sentence off of us. Amen? Or you can be like Judas Iscariot and put profit over your walk with God and it won't profit anything in the end. You'll lose your soul. Called priority. Verse 3. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but He casteth away the substance of the wicked. Notice this. you got the soul of the righteous and the substance of the wicked. If you are righteous then, He says He will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. That means, brothers and sisters, the good news is this, is that you may go through something in your life that's not lining up with the promises of God, what God has said. And it's creating a famish in your soul, man. There's leanness in your soul. Like a summer, like a drought has come in your heart. But the news is God says that the righteous will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. That eventually, if you trust God, He will replenish you. That's why I don't judge anything before the time. Jesus said, don't judge anything before the time. You're going through a hard time. Amen. Get it. Understand it. But keep on living for the Lord. And eventually what's going to happen is instead of you having famished, a famished soul, you're going to be replenished by God. But He casteth away the substance of the wicked. So you've got the replenishing of the righteous he says, you won't famish. 
If you're going to pray that to God, you say, God, you said, my inward being, my soul will not famish. You'll replenish me. But you said, God, in your word. But he casteth away the substance, say the substance of the wicked. Why? Because the focus is on material things. Amen. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but he that but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. You see that? What's that saying? It says if you're a good manager, then as the Bible tells us here, is what he's saying. You, you have a slack hand, you don't manage well, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. That means you're diligent, you manage well. Brother and sister, the reason why a lot of times if we fall into financial situations, and I understand, I say this generally, because I understand sometimes people fall on hard times. Okay? Go through something, a season in life, whatever. Sickness, loss of a job. Things happen to people. But generally speaking, a lot of the financial problems that you and I would have, if we have any, is because we're not managing diligently what we have. So that financial problems today, most of the time, have nothing to do with money. It's a wisdom problem. Amen? We'll understand how to manage diligently the finances that we have. Let me tell you something. God will bless you with abundance. Right? Now, theologically, what he's talking about is people, if you look at verse 3, the Lord will not suffer the soul. So again, we see the Lord is in all of this. Amen? You serve God, you're going to make a father happy and a mother happy. You apostatize away from the Lord, you make a father unhappy and a mother unhappy. Amen? You serve God, the righteous will deliver their, be delivered from death because you're serving God. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to be famished, but He casteth away the substance of the wicked. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. In an ultimate sense, what God is saying, this is the way the idolater lives. The idolater is a slacker. The one who doesn't worship God correctly is a slacker and does not handle their money correctly, does not manage their money correctly. That's the highest level of interpretation. Because you have a contrast of the path of Lady Wisdom and the path of Lady Folly. And the path of Lady Wisdom is to serve the Lord. Lady Folly is idolatry. And He's given you example after example of people who serve the Lord in contrast to those who do not. Okay. And then obviously the practical application is there. So again, He become a poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Again, I told you at the beginning that this is spiritual and physical. If you're not diligent in your spiritual walk, if you neglect your spiritual walk, there will be a reaping. If I am not diligent in my walk with God, I will become poor spiritually. 
If I am not handling, managing my finances correctly, I will become poor physically. So you have to apply all of these spiritually too, not just physically. So a lot of people get in trouble in their walk with God because they neglect it. The Bible talks about laying up knowledge. Laying up knowledge. You have to prepare right now for what's going to come down the road. Lay up knowledge. Store it. You might not use it right now, but lay it up because there's coming a day. It's called the evil day. You're going to need something to fall back on. And if you're not diligent, man, managing yourself, putting the Word of God in your life, building up your life with prayer, the most holy faith, you can even experience spiritual poverty. A lot of people do. I, I, I don't want to be like that, and I don't think you do. Verse 5, He that gathereth in the summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Still long finances, right? Amen. So there's a time when we gather. You know, there's a time when you gather. There's a time you have an opportunity to gather. When you have that opportunity to gather, you gather. And it's spiritual or physical. Okay? Don't try to gather in the winter time of your life. You gather right now. Okay? You prepare right now. Now, and what he's saying, but the but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. Why would a in a harvest time, why would a son sleep in harvest time? Because they've let this attitude get a hold of them, and that is it doesn't matter how hard I try, it's not going to make any difference. So there's no need in trying anymore. So that's why people sleep in the time of harvest spiritually and the time physically is because they've come to a conclusion which is wrong. It's not worth trying anymore. You have to get rid of that because that is not wise. That is not walking according to the Word of God. That is to be a son that sleepeth in the harvest. And that will cause shame. Not just to the Father, but in your life. How many people just say, well, I tried and I tried and I tried. It didn't work for me. So I'm just not going to try anymore. No, we all, we all been tempted to go down that path, but that's lady folly. That's idolatry. True worshiper of, of the Lord in the time of harvest is gathering. Amen. They're out there. They're preparing for their, their, their spiritual well-being. They're winning souls. Wow. Pretty, pretty awesome, isn't it? You talk about, verse 4, about that the diligent, the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Well, let me show you one real, another quick thing. Again, that that is not a promise. Because there's some people that are lazy that are rich. That's right. How are they rich? Because they inherited their millions. Okay? So in some situations, again, this proverb has some exceptions to it. Amen? If I were to tell you that, okay, you're going to take a test on the book of Proverbs. I'm fixing to give you a test. And um, you study real hard this next week 
and you come in here and some of y'all really studied real hard to take the test and you studied and you applied yourself and you take the test, you flunk it. You come to me and say, hey pastor, I really studied hard. I spent a lot of time, but I flunked it. My grade does not reflect the work that I put in this. Then you have somebody, they didn't study at all. And they come in here and they ace the test. They make a hundred and they get the bonus question too. They made a hundred and ten. And they didn't even study the test. So sometimes the hand of the diligent doesn't make rich. Okay? So these are not guarantees, man. They're not, you know, sometimes there's exceptions to the rule. Everybody awake? Now I know I'm boring you, but that's alright. I'm going to keep boring you with wisdom. Verses 6 and 7. <clears throat> Blessings are upon the head of the just. But violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Verse 7. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. So verse 1 is the family. Verses 2 through 5 is finances. And now you deal with final things. Things that are final. Some things are final on earth. Some things are final in eternity. Verse 6 speaks about reaping in the earth. Verse 7 speaks about reaping eternal consequences. So blessings are upon the head of the just. But violence covereth the mouth of who? The wicked. You read Esther sometime. Esther chapter 7, verses 7, verse 7 and 8. It talks about a man by the name of Haman. Man, he, he got in hot water, boy. He looked like he was trying to have a relationship with the queen. He got caught to his doom. Man, he they covered his face. That means he knew he's had it. Okay, you go through the Word of God and you see people that are covering their face. They'll cover their mouth. Man, they know they've had it. Okay? So that's the, on, the, on the head of the, uh, of the wicked. Violence, but blessing are upon the head of the just. This is reaping. Verse 7. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall not, I mean, excuse me, shall rot. How many of you have ever heard of Abraham? Heard of Abraham? Okay. How many of you have ever heard of, do you hear more about Abraham than you do a man by the name of Nimrod? You know what God said about Abraham? He said, I'll make your name great in the earth. I'll make your name great. Well, he served God. His name is remembered. Abraham is called the, the father of not just the Christian faith, but he's called the, the father of other religions. <laughs> His name has been made great in the earth. Why? Because he faithfully served God. But Nimrod, most people never even heard of Nimrod just in passing or if you've been raised in church because his name rots. Okay. normally I don't know very many babies I have dedicated a few and I haven't ever dedicated anybody named Nimrod I've never de dedicated a baby named Nimrod never have dedicated a baby named Judas 
And, and I will tell you this, man. You talk about this proverb in application. There are some nations, it is against the law to name your baby Adolf Hitler. Some nations, it isn't against the law for you to name your baby certain names, man. Okay. Their name's Rot. Amen. Or you call your dog Nimrod. Come here, Nimrod. Or you, you know, call him Judas. Come here, Judas. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody right here in this church right now has a dog named Nimrod. Amen? <laughs> right. But probably nobody in here ever named your dog Abraham. No. You have reverence and respect not to do that. Right? So it goes all the way into eternity. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. Be forgotten. Okay, verse 8 through 14, very quickly, deals with a foolish man. Foolish person. Verse 8, the wise in heart will receive commandments, but pratting, a pratting fool shall fall. Amen. So if you're wise in heart, that means you have a teachable spirit. You'll receive the commandments of God. But if you're a pratting fool, you'll fall. We know what a pratting fool is? A pratting fool is somebody always talking all the time. Okay? Pratting means babbling. Just unending babbling. So you try to teach them, but they're always talking because they already know everything. Well, then what's going to happen is that person that always talks and never listens eventually going to fall. Okay? So I don't want to be like a fool. I want to listen. I want to receive the commandments of God. Have a, a teachable spirit. A, a spirit that is willing to be corrected. Hallelujah. Amen. So the first distinction, first mark of the fool is he's babbling all the time. You know. Woo. I mean, there's some people that's all they do is talk. They don't ever listen. Right? Everybody awake? Man, listen. I li I want to listen. That's one thing. You know. And I got friends that will make, make sure that I do. Because you know. I got friends that are in the world. Okay? And one particular man, he's, he's pretty intelligent, pretty wise. He knows he's got social skills. Okay, so anyway, he knows I'm a preacher. And so when I first got to know him, I was always wanting to give him the Word of God, tell him the Word of God. You know when the door opened, not immediately, but and uh, he told me one time. He said, "He said, you know, I wish you would stop trying to always be my teacher." Hmm. I said, "Oh, okay, all right." That's all he needed to say. So every time he wants to talk, I let him talk, and I listen to him. He texted me today, and. Uh, he talked to me. He, he's man, he's very successful. Okay, very successful. He said, he texted me, trying to win him to the Lord. He said, you know, he said, what's important is not when you lift your eyes to the sky with your hands lifted up after you've scored a touchdown or hit a home run. He said, what God looks at is the life that's lived that got you to that point. 
And right before that, he had asked me what I'm teaching on tonight. I said, Proverbs. Okay? So, he said, I have something on my mind. Now watch this. Here's what he said. He texted me, what are you teaching on tonight? I said, Proverbs. And I, said, I didn't say nothing else. So he texted me that statement. And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I said, okay, should I begin to start preaching to him the book of Proverbs? I did. I thought about it. But I said, no, because wisdom is going to receive what he said. I'm the preacher. He knows it. Okay. But I received what he said. I said, so I texted him back. I said, that's good. And I put his name. I said, that's good. I said, and then I texted him a little bit more. I said, that sounds like a proverb. Because a proverb teaches you social skills, how to be righteous and fear the Lord. Okay? I said, you have a proverb. And I gave, and I put his name. You have a proverb. And he texted me back, awesome man, you know, about what I was going to teach on the proverbs. He said, that's awesome man. And I said, you are a man who observes life. See? So I didn't try to take over the conversation. I let him share what he wanted to say, what was in his mind, because he said, I've got a message. Kind of like to preach. So I got a message. I want to preach. What are you teaching on? He said, well, I must have been thinking about that because you're going to be preaching on Proverbs. That's what he said. See? Okay, so even your pastor sometimes has to learn to shut his mouth and listen to other people. Okay? Say, praise the Lord. But I demand, I the prophet here. <laughs> no, but most of the time, I'm a li I do listen to people. I really do. Really do listen to people. It's important. Praise God. So don't be a pratting fool. You know, always giving your opinion. Never let anybody put in a word in edgewise. Hallelujah. You know, come on, brothers and sisters in the Lord. You're talking to Sister Christina. Maybe every once in a while, listen to what she has to say and it might be helpful to you. Okay? So you're preaching to her, telling her because you want to impress or whatever. But, uh, man, she says, sometimes she says to me, you know, she says, I, I don't say much because I don't have much to say. She says, seem like they got, they already know everything. You know, so I'm not trying to beat you up with that. I'm just saying, Sometimes you need to stop talking and start listening. I learned, I learned the hard way, man. My friend, he let me have it. And I let him do it. And I told him one day, I said, I'll just let you know. I just, I told him, I said, there are not very many people I let talk to me like you do. That's what I told him. But he bench presses like 425 pounds, so I let him talk to me whatever he wants to talk to me with. <laughs> you know. He's not a big guy like Patrick over there. He's he's not really that big, but he can throw some weight. So I just okay, yes sir. I'm your servant. <laughs> Hallelujah. In fact, because I listened to him, that's why I got where I am in lifting. Okay, so just because they're out in the world doesn't mean they don't have wisdom. We've already covered that. The wisdom proverbs were found in the ancient Egyptian writings and cultures. 
So it's not, it's not just with the church. Okay? Now. I'll let you go home in a minute. You can sit down and watch TV and get all of the wisdom you need. But right now, you're in the house of God. Okay? Praise the Lord. So, how many of y'all want to receive commandments? You have a teachable spirit. You love reproof, as we've already covered before. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely. But he that perverteth his ways shall be known. This is the fool. When you walk upright, when you walk right with God, it, listen, I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters, okay? I mean, every one of these is a message, and God help me to condense this, but I'm just going to say this. When you walk with God, there's going to be people that are going to be out to get you. They, they walk in a perverse way. And you're going to find yourself, listen to your pastor, please. You are going to find yourself, if you're not already in it, in situations where people are looking for a way to take you down. And you're going to be in slippery places when you're walking. And God says, if you're upright, your, your feet, your foot, your step will be sure. But the people who are trying to destroy you, those who are walking perversely, they're going to be made known. But he that perverteth his way shall be known. So we have to trust God in very slippery situations of people around us that are perverted in their ways and say, okay, God, I'm giving you wisdom, you're giving me something sure, a solid feet, solid footing, okay? Because I'm surrounded by very, very challenging things. And eventually, God, you're going to bring it all out. The ones that are perverted, pervert their ways. He that winketh with the eye causeth sorrow, but a pratting fool shall fall. Once again, we're back to that. He that winketh with the eye causeth sorrow, but a pratting fool shall fall. Amen. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Hatred stirreth up strife, but love covers all sins. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean that uh, it's like a cover-up. What the word means, covers all sin, love covers all sin, means you're bearing okay, it. You are burying it. Okay, so the point is this. There's sin in a brother's life or sin in a sister's life. As Galatians says, that your desire is to restore them. You're going to get down beside them. They're wanting to repent. You get down beside them and you lift their burdens, considering yourself. Some people say, oh, that'll never happen to me. It sure might. So you need to get beside them when they're kneeling in prayer and repentance and try to help lift the burden. That's what it means. It doesn't mean there's a cover-up, that God's telling you to cover everybody that's wrong to cover that stuff. You better not do that because when you cover some things, it'll only fester into horrible problems. It means to lift or to bear like Galatians talks about in 6. That means that if there's sin in somebody's life, don't use it like as a weapon to one-up them. 
that, listen to me, there might be sin in the person's life, but if you take that approach to use it as a weapon, then you are not wise. You're going against the Word of God because you used it as a weapon to destroy. As I know some people are not of God. Okay? If you're of God, you're not going to try to use it as a weapon to destroy. You're going to try to bear bear it. Amen? See, I'm just telling you, man, listen. Some people can't wait to get the next gossip. They can't, listen, they can't wait to see something wrong in the church. Because it's, it's not their desire to go and, and, and with the right spirit and say, you know, I really care. I don't want to bear this. I want to try to help this person. No, I want a pound of flesh. That's not right. Where'd you get that spirit? You want a pound of flesh. You have to bear with things, man. We are a family. We, we are a church family. There are things that have been said and done to my family that if I wanted to, I could come back with weapons, man. But in very difficult situations, I didn't use it as an opportunity to take the person down. I just said, okay, now let me just tell you, this is not true. And, you know, instead of using it as a weapon against them, I didn't, didn't take that approach. What is your deal? It's about motive. Okay, so if you come and something's wrong and you come with the right motive, you know, hey, i got to let this be known because it's wrong. Uh, if I don't let it be known, then something can really bad can come out of it. Okay, then in that sense, you have the right spirit. But if you're going there to simply just so you can have your, you know, thrill, if somebody got in trouble, it's not right. Okay, you get it with me? All right, look at it. Hatred stirreth up strife. But love covereth all sins. In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. See, you're, you're either a human being that can receive wisdom, or you're nothing better than an old mule. You know, the mule won't listen. You take a rod to its back. Boom. Get its attention. Amen? Animal-like. Wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the fool is near destruction. How do you know if you're near to destruction? Listen to the way you talk. Listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. And they will tell you how close you are to destruction. If you're a wise person, you're laying up knowledge. That means you're like storing it up. You're putting it in the storehouse, man. Because you know at some point you're going to need this. So I'm going to store everything I'm getting right now, man, because there's something coming down the road. I don't need it right now, but I will need it. Brother, sister, God, you know, some people have this ideal. they got to walk in power. I mean, it's just like overwhelming power all the time. 
You know? I want to live for God. I want the power of God on me all the time. God does not work that way. He doesn't waste His power where you walk around in power all the time. You don't. He's going to give you the power you need when you need the power. Not, not one time in my life have I ever needed power that God didn't show up and give me the power that I needed. He doesn't download you with power all the time. You have the Spirit in you. Nor do you need knowledge about everything all the time. But when you lay up the knowledge, you'll be amazed how the Lord will speak into your spirit. I had a sister come to me in the retreat. She said, the Lord spoke to me. And she said, this is what He said to me. You know? Well, if she didn't have something stored up in her spirit, downloaded in her life, then there's nothing that God could speak to her about. But she laid up knowledge in her heart, in her life. Now God can speak and bring it because it's needed at that time. I don't have to walk in omniscience to pastor you. I don't need to know everything about everything to pastor you. Because when if I just store up, lay up the knowledge and store it, when I need it, it'll be there. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Same thing with you. Amen. Rod, okay. Wise men lay up knowledge, but mouth of the foolish is near destruction. Mm. Verse 15. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. Now that's a general true statement, right? The rich people can get themselves out of difficult situations. Rich people can hire the best attorneys. They can uh, hire the best physicians. They've got money, and it's their tower, man. Okay? Helps them. But the poverty of the poor, the poor, he says, but the destruction of the poor is their what? Poverty. Because sometimes they don't have the money in their, in their because they're poor to uh, take care of the need. Okay? So the poverty of the poor is their destruction. Now, okay. Another way to look at this. Now, I'm, hey, I'm not, I didn't chain you down. You're free to leave whenever you feel you need to. If you're getting bored and you don't want to be here, go. I don't care. I'm going to teach the Word of God. So it's for those who want to be here. I'm not going to get mad if you leave. I'm just going to throw a knife at you. <laughs> okay. Another way to look at this verse is this is that you have some people who gloat in their poverty. That's right. All they do is sit around and think about how poor they are and how they don't have what somebody else has. So the poverty of the poor is their destruction. Because instead of trying to do something about it, all they do is think about what they don't have. And they really, they brag about how poor they are. Do not feel sorry for yourself. 
in any situation. It doesn't get you anywhere. The poverty of the poor is your destruction. You have a poverty mentality. It's not that you don't have money. It's that you've got a poverty mentality. And you sit around and you gloat about how poor you are. And so you say, well, you know, I don't have money like so-and-so does. So then the poverty of the poor becomes their destruction. Okay? Amen. They use an excuse. I'm just poor. <laughs> you know. I don't have the brakes that so-and-so has. Y'all okay? Are y'all breathing? <laughs> Would you take a breath? <sighs> Thank you. Get the oxygen out. It's quiet in here, man. You know what? Y'all aren't bored. Y'all just love this. You want me to keep going all night? I can tell. See, I'm body language. I'm reading body language right now. You're saying, keep us here all night. We love this. I see, I read body language. And I got a, I got a few that are giving me other signals. <laughs> okay. 16 and 17. We're beyond the full now. 16 and 17. Uh, deal with futile things. Verse 15, The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is his poverty. The labor of the righteous tendeth to what? Life. The fruit of the wicked is what? Sin. So you're either going to take your finance, your money, your wealth, and you're going to promote, promote good things, right things, or you're going to take your money and you're going to use it to promote a, a, a lifestyle without God. Okay? That's what he's saying. Again, this has to do with a higher level of theology. Do you serve God? Do you worship God? What do you do with your money? It's important. He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction, but he that refuseth reproof erreth. That means a serious mistake. Amen. Keep the discipline. Keep the correction in your life. I want that, don't you, so I don't make serious mistakes. Okay. Verse 18. He that hideth hatred with lying lips... And he that uttereth a slander is a fool. He that uttereth a slander is a fool. He that lieth hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. You see that? What are you saying? People will lie on you. They will speak untruth statements about you and try to destroy your reputation. Okay? People that try. That's all they're about. They're not about building the kingdom of God. They're never, I'm going to tell you something. People like this never win souls. Number one, they don't have the Spirit of Jesus Christ in them that will produce anything but death. Because all they do is sit around thinking about how they can lie and destroy somebody's reputation. People like that never win anybody to God. Okay. Uh, verse 19 In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin but he that refraineth his lips is wise 
The tongue of the just is as choice silver. That means it's a valuable thing. The heart of the wicked is little worth, little value. Verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. Why? Because the righteous gives strength. The other, the other, the fool causes death. Verse 22, the blessings of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. That's a general statement, right? How many of y'all believe the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, he has no sorrow with it? It means if God blesses your life, there's not going to be uh, regret. You're not going to sit around and be regretting it. You're not going to be worrying about it all the time. Because it came from God. But it come from God, and you're going to have regrets and, and worry. Uh, so anyway, the blessings of the Lord maketh rich. He addeth no sorrow. Thank God for that. Verse 23, it is, a sport, it is a sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. It's fun, he says, to do bad. Verse 24, the fear of the wicked, it, still, it shall come upon him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. This is a result in trusting God, right? If you are the righteous, as the whirlwind passes, so is the so is the wicked no more. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. Seems like the wicked are like these whirlwinds. Have you ever seen these dirt devils? Okay, I mean they come in whew, real fast and they leave. Well, they leave a little bit of destruction behind, but then they're gone. And that's the way God says it's about a wicked person. They live their life like that. So they're like a whirlwind. They create destruction. But eventually they're going to be gone. Okay? Amen. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. Stable. As vinegar to the teeth, and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to them that send him. Now, vinegar makes your teeth set on edge. How many of y'all ever like barbecue? And this happens to me all the time. I'll be barbecuing and the smoke come up. So it comes up and it gets right in my eyes. So I'll move. And it follows me. <laughs> and I can, I can never figure that out why that smoke always follows my eyes. You know, yeah. even if you go, if I go stand behind the back of the barbecue, you're going to flow over the top, you know. It's just the way it is. And what he's saying is like this. If you put your trust and your confidence in somebody to get a job done, okay, and they let you down because they are a sluggard, then they're like vinegar on the teeth and smoke in the eye. They let you down, man. Okay? Praise the Lord. Man, I tell you what. Whew, you go through enough of that, enough of people letting you down, that's hard. It's hard. But thank God there's some that, that don't. They do what they're supposed to do. Verse 27, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Got an understanding with that, I believe. Verse 28, the hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. Right? Why is that? Because they have false hope. False hope. Listen. 
If you are a righteous person, the hope of the righteous shall be what? Gladness. Because it's based in reality. It's based in the Word of God. You'll have gladness. But if you are somebody who is like a foolish person, an idolater, your expectation will perish. Because it's a mirage. It's not real. And you ever been driving down the road in the hot, hot time of the summer and you look up there and look like water on the highway? I mean, as a little kid, you know, I go, hey, Grandpa, what is that water on the highway up there? It's like 100 degrees, man. It wasn't water. It was called a mirage. Amen. How many of y'all lived life enough to see mirages? You thought it was there, but it wasn't. Man, you drove it, you just kept driving over it. See, that's the way some people are. They don't have God in their life the way He should be, so they don't live in reality. They live in mirage land. And their expectation then is constantly perishing. It never works out like they want it to work out because it is a false reality. Amen? But I have a hope. You have a hope in Jesus Christ. Verse 29, The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction shall be the workers of iniquity. You know, I believe the way of God will make you strong. But if you don't live for God, it will make you weak. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. Y'all believe that? Amen. The wicked shall not inhabit the earth. Yeah, they make their splash. There are a lot of people, man, they make their splash. But in the end, they won't inhabit the earth. They won't be in the millennial kingdom. Jesus Christ. God will not tell them, enter into the kingdom. Thou good and faithful servant. Yeah, they had their splash in time. That's it. Verse 31, 32. The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. That's that perverse tongue. Setting things in the wrong direction. The, the, the speech that it should be going a certain way, it should be done a certain way, but the speech is going contrary to what is right. That's a forward time. It has to do with direction. Amen? It's going the wrong direction with the mouth. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. Right. Praise the Lord. See, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. They're going to do what? The right thing at the right time. And they're going to have the right emotion because they know the Proverbs and they understand that the Proverbs are not promises. They're observations in life. And that at times there is exception to them, but it is the direction to go. If you want to have social skills, if you want to have righteousness in your life, and if you want God to be a part of your life, then walk in the wisdom of the Lord. Amen? Y'all believe that? If you do, say praise the Lord. But the wicked speak of forward. That means they're always in trouble with the mouth. Please stand. 
I was going to start reading chapter 11, verse 1, but I didn't want, to, I want you to have a heart attack. So. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. Going through experiences in life, and uh, sometimes you don't understand it. You got Proverbs that's supposed to say that it's supposed to be different. Look at Job. Job was a wise man who lost his riches and his health. So, this had to be ultimately, really, when you look at these Proverbs, ultimately, you know what it's telling you? Put your trust in the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. Amen. Make God first, and then wisdom will find you. If you do, you make God first, wisdom will find you. And that's what's important. All right. May the Lord bless you. Father, I come before you right now. Ask your blessing to rest upon your people. Lord, we take this word, God, that's been taught tonight and put it in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to know when to do something, the right thing at the right time, and to have the right emotion about it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen and amen.